Jeremiah chapter 29, and honestly, um, an amazing chapter. So we're going to take communion this morning, which would be good. Communion is always a good time to just be reminded, man, of everything Christ did for us. And just a reminder, like what we talked about when we were going through communion and learning about it, right? It's, it's a reminder that we're partaking of Christ. It's a an, an chance and an opportunity for us to experience Christ in just a fresh way in our lives. And the book of Jeremiah, it's really an interesting book because the children of Israel were at a place where God was getting ready to deal with them for some things. And God had started dealing with them. And the prophet Jeremiah, he stood there and he gave God's word to the people from before God dealt with them and then after God dealt with them. And he just was there, just that beacon, just giving the people the word. And it was a day and age where God was getting ready, like I said, to bring judgment upon his people. He was getting ready to discipline them, to deal with them for the, the sins that they were not wanting to let go of. They had rebelled. And, and sometimes we can look at it and we can have this mentality that God is just waiting for us to step out of line. It's like, okay, man, if I take one wrong step, like God's just going to deal with me. You know, something bad happens in our lives, right? And how quick are we to, man, this is God dealing with me for that thing that I did two weeks ago that I never told anybody about, right? <laughs> Like, we can get so focused on that. But the truth is, is the Bible says that God is long-suffering, that he's patient. He suffers long with us. He doesn't just, you know, lay down the hammer right away. He's long-suffering. He's patient. And all throughout the children of Israel, their time in the land, God was constantly speaking to them, constantly warning them, constantly trying to correct them. When they would have their seasons where they would go astray, he would uh, allow them to be oppressed by their enemies. Why? Because it would bring them to a place where they would finally call out and they would say, God, we need you. And they would get right with him. And then what happens? He would step in and he would restore. And I love that about God. He's so quick to listen to us when we cry out and just genuine God, here I am. He's so quick to just listen to us. And he's so quick to respond to us. Because of his great love for us. He's not up there just waiting for us to slip up so he can, so he can discipline us. No, he's long-suffering. He's patient. And the children of Israel, God had been working on them. And he had been reaching out to them and telling them, Listen, if you continue in this direction, I'm going to discipline you. And they didn't listen. They chose to go their own way. So what God did is God allowed the Babylonian Empire to come and to destroy Jerusalem. But before they destroyed it, they took a few uh, captives. They, they took thousands of captives from Jerusalem to Babylon. It was just a straight up, just <laughs> like the Shanghai tunnels we were talking about earlier. <laughs> right? They just took them. And these, these children of Israel, they became exiles out there. And as they were out there, it's interesting because they were in exile. God had dealt with them for their sins. And yet I love it so much because what does God do? God says to Jeremiah the prophet, he says, Jeremiah, he says, come here. He says, I want you to send a letter to the exiles. And I want you to give them my message. I want you to encourage them to where they're at. And that's where we pick up in Jeremiah 29 is Jeremiah's letter to the children of Israel that were in exile. They were being disciplined for, what, for not um, repenting. They were being disciplined. God was dealing with them. And what does Jeremiah do? Jeremiah sends this letter to encourage them. And the title of my message this morning 
is failing forward. It's failing forward. And I think there's three keys to really failing forward because we're all going to fail. We're all going to have moments where God deals with us. Man, we're all going to have moments where we're like reaping the consequences of things and bad decisions we made or, or sins that we made. And we're looking at it and we can get discouraged. But I think it's so important to understand is there's three things we're going to look at. We're going to look at how we can learn from the past. We're going to look at how also God desires us to live in the present. And then we're going to see how God doesn't just want us to learn from the past and live in the present. He wants us to look to the future. Man, because our failure isn't the end of it. Man, our failure isn't the end of God's plan for our lives. Man, and when we follow what God wants us to do in our seasons of failure, man, failure can be a blessing. It can be something that can change the direction of your life and everything God wants to do. And so in Jeremiah 29, chapter 1, uh, or no, I'm sorry, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 1, go ahead and follow along with me as we read. He says this, he says, now these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem to the remainder of the elders who were carried away captive, to the priests, to the prophets, and all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this happened after Jeconiah the king the queen mother, the eunuchs, the princes of Judah and Jerusalem, the craftsmen and the smiths had departed from Jerusalem. And this letter was sent by the hand of Elisa, the son of Shapin, and Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to whom all were carried away captive, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. It's interesting that he uses that phrase when he's talking to him, the Lord of hosts. And one of the reasons he uses that phrase is I'm sure the children of Israel had thought like, man, if God is for us, why did he allow this enemy to conquer us? If God is for us, why did he allow us to be taken captive? And like what we said, they hadn't learned from their mistakes. They hadn't learned from the past. They didn't look and say, okay, God, where did I mess up? It was just all focused on why did they, why did they, why did they? And Jeremiah reminds them that the Lord of hosts is a term that's a military term used. It's the God of heaven's armies. And he reminds them that God is still on the throne. That God is still all-powerful. That God hasn't lost his power and that God is still in control. And he writes this and it's so interesting because you have to understand exile was not part of the plan for the children of Israel. Man, when you look at God's plan for them and God's heart for Israel, there's so many things that God had in mind for Israel. And one of those things in Exodus 19 this was God's heart for Israel. He said, Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Man, that was God's desire for Israel. 
That was to be a holy people, a, a nation of kingdom of priests, to be a light to the Gentiles. God wanted to do so much for the nation of Israel. He wanted to bring so much good into the nation of Israel. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, when you read it, and I would encourage you all to read it because it's right as the children of Israel are getting ready to enter the promised land. And God tells him, he says, listen, he says, if you obey me, these are all of the blessings that I want to bring into your life. And I love that so much because, you know, God wants to bless us. God wants to do good for us. And sometimes we can look at our lives and we're like, man, are you sure? <laughs> but God wants to bless us. He wants to bring good into our lives. But it's linked to what? It's linked to our obedience always linked to our obedience. See, God's heart for Israel was not that they would be exiled. God's heart for Israel wasn't that they would be carried away captive. God's heart for Israel was that they would be a light to the Gentiles, that they would be his special people. And see, when he brought them out of Egypt, he wanted to bring them from bondage to blessing. And he wanted to bring them from a place of bondage where they were in slavery in Egypt. And he brought them out with that outstretched hand, but he didn't just bring them out to just deliver them. No, he brought them out and then he what? He set their eyes and their hearts on the promised land. He said, I have this promised land for you. This is where I want to bring you. He brought them out to bring them in. And that land that he promised them, right? The Bible says it's a land flowing with milk and honey. And I remember when I was a kid, I used to always think about that. I'm like, man, I'm, I used to always think that there was like lakes of milk. And that there was like rivers of honey. I'm like, dude, that's, that sounds fun. It's like Willy Wonka, but, <laughs> but without the chocolate. But the reason they called it that is there was so many lush forests. And in those forests, you would have wild bees and they would have these honeycombs. And so it was literally like a land dripping with honey. And they called it a land flowing with milk, not because there was rivers of straight up milk in it. But the, the grasslands, the pastures were so beautiful that if you had flocks and herds, it was like literally a land flowing with milk. Man, where your herds, your cows can graze, where you can be able to have just an abundance of everything. It was an amazing land that God promised the children of Israel. See, he brought them out to bring them in, and it's the same thing with us. Man, God has something for each and every one of us. God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Man, there's that promised land. And maybe for you, you're like, there's things that God has put in your heart. And you're like, man, I think this is what God wants to do in the future. And we can get discouraged because we haven't gotten there yet. We haven't arrived there yet. And we can get discouraged. But man, God brought us out to bring us in. And it's the same thing with the children of Israel. But it wasn't going to be easy. It was a fight for them to take the promised land. Do you know it took them five years to, and to take the promised land? It took them five years of war, of battle, of struggle to take the promised land. And I think sometimes, man, we want overnight victory, right? We want easy victory. We want quick victory. We want victory without a fight. First John chapter 2 says this. It says, and this is uh, John writing, and he says, I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you. He says, and you have overcome the wicked one. And when he says overcome, I used to always think it was like all of a sudden, like you just stand up getting ready to fight and your enemy just drop before you. But that word overcome, 
it's literally, it means hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's like a picture of an MMA match where you have two fighters and they get into the cage. And some MMA fights are quick, right? Some of them, it's like boom, 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 done. And some of them, they go all three to five rounds. And they get into the fight and, man, some of them get hit. You take, you take a punch and you give a punch. And at the end of that competition, one person is announced the victor. And that's what it says when it says we're, that, that for the young men that we're strong and that the word of God abides in us and that we can overcome the wicked one. That's that word that's used. It's a word of going in and duking it out toe-to-toe -to -toe with the flesh and duking it out toe-to-toe -to -toe with the enemy and duking it out toe-to-toe -to -toe with temptation and toe-to-toe -to -toe with all of the things and at the end of the day being able to come out victorious. See, victory, it's hard fought. Man, victory doesn't come easy. Man, victory over the flesh, the flesh can be so strong. The Bible says that the flesh and the spirit, they, they, it's like a war. It's like tug of war. And that's why it's so hard. That's why one minute we can be in here and we can leave here and maybe you feel peace and you're like, man, I feel good. And then you go and late at night, right, all of a sudden your mind starts running and it's easy to let your mind get carried away with the desires of the flesh. It's how one minute we can go from being able to read our Bible and then the next minute we can go to lashing out at somebody. The spirit and the flesh, they're just this war against each other. It's this tug of war, it's this battle. But see, God wants to bring us into that promised land, which is the, a life of victory. But it doesn't come without a fight. There's no overnight victory. And God was so faithful to the children of Israel Man, Joshua, who led the conquest, he looked back at the end of his life and he said what? He said, man, he said, not one word of everything that God said failed. Man, everything God promised, he came through. Everything God said he was going to do, he came through. He was faithful. Man, not one word failed. Imagine that. And oftentimes we look at the battles and we can look at all those things and we look ahead and we see the challenges. We see the battles and we're like, man, if I, you know, really enter into all God has, I'm going to have to fight this battle. And man, I'm going to have to overcome this Jericho and I'm going to have to defeat this Goliath. And we can look at all our battles and we can look at them and we can sometimes get discouraged. But it's looking back that we see God was faithful. See, before, it's a walk of faith, and it's a walk of trusting God. Man, obeying God, it's a walk of trusting God and living by faith. But looking back, we'll be able to say like Joshua, what? Not one word of everything God said failed. He came through. Man, God is faithful, and he is with us in every situation. Man, Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, what? I will fear no evil, why? Because we're stronger than everyone? No. Because what? Because you are with me. Because God is with us. It doesn't matter how dark the valley is or how hard the situation is. Man, we don't have to fear. Why? Because God is with us. He's with us in those situations. 
Man, God was so faithful. He brought the children of Israel out of bondage. He brought them into this land of blessing where he wanted to bless them abundantly. His plan was never to bring them into exile. His plan was never to allow them to be conquered. But what happened? God, it says there in verse 4, right? It says, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all who were carried away captive, notice, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem. See, God's plan was never exile, but what happened? God caused this situation to happen in their lives. God caused them to be carried away. And I think sometimes we can look at things <clears throat> and we can think that God never does anything that would cause us pain. We can think that, that God never does anything bad in our lives. And it's a very, I don't want to say a fine line, but it's a fine line when you start looking at these things. Because there's so many different factors, but it's important because we can't write off every bad thing that happens as our lives as not being from God. Sometimes, and, and just bear with me on this, this is all going to make sense in a minute. But sometimes we can look at things and, Maybe you have a bad day, or maybe like me, you get your car window shot out with a BB gun. Did I tell you guys about that? I think. Yeah, so last week, I was on COVID quarantine, and I'm working from home, and all of a sudden, I hear my car alarm go off. I'm like, what the heck? So I go outside, and someone had drove by and probably shot about 10 shots through both of my windows on my Nissan. And they were small. At first, I thought, it was a, I thought it was bullets, but I'm like, no, like, why would they do that? And it was little small holes. It was like BB gun. It's probably a BB gun. And it's stuff like that happens, right? And it can be quick to write it off and be, oh, man, this is just Satan. And, and I, think it, I think part of it was spiritual warfare. I do. But sometimes we can look at things in our lives and we're like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not from God. That's from Satan. Or no, that's just a bad thing that happened. But listen, there are times in our lives where sometimes things will happen and it's God trying to get our attention. Look at Jonah. Man, Jonah gets into this boat and he's running from God and what happens? The Bible says God sent a storm. The storm didn't just magically appear. Satan didn't go and stir up the waves and cause a storm. God sent the storm that almost tore apart the boat. There was loss involved. They had to throw off all of the things on the boat just to be able to keep the boat afloat. And then what happened? They end up throwing off Jonah, and then it says what? It says God sent a whale. The whale didn't just come out of nowhere. The whale wasn't Satan trying to get Jonah. No, the whale was God's way of trying to get Jonah's attention. And there's many times in our lives where God will do things to try and get our attention. And we can be quick to write it off, and we're like, oh, no, that's not God. That's not God trying to get my attention. Well, what if it is? What if it is the Lord? What if God is trying to get our attention? See, everything that happens to us has been allowed by God. So important to understand that. Either God is sovereign or God is not. And many times, man, we've talked to people, right, and how, how often do we hear this, or maybe sometimes we can feel this or we can think this, right? Well, why would God allow this to happen? He can't be in control if he allowed this really bad thing to happen in my life. We can wonder, why do all these bad things happen? 
And we can be quick to say, well, that means just God's not in control. He's not in control of everything. He's, he's lost his grip on, our, on situations. No, 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 no. The truth is, is that God is all-powerful, and everything that happens in our lives, everything that happens has been allowed by God. Not everything is caused by God. God doesn't cause an evil thing to happen. But understand, listen, everything has been allowed by God. Everything has been allowed by God. And it's so important to understand this, listen, is the way to get through challenges and opposition and hardships and trials and testings and situations and bad things that happen. The way to get through these things is through surrendering to Christ. It's in surrender. And I think many times we can have a hard time with surrendering because we think, well, if I just surrender to my circumstances, then, you know, that's like me tapping out. That's me giving up. That's me being defeated. But see, the key is, is not to surrender to our circumstances, not to say, well, all these bad things are happening, so I'm just, I'm done. I'm done with God. I'm done with everything. I'm out. The key is to surrender to God in our circumstances. Now, there is great power in accepting what God is doing in your life because, listen, everything in our lives is allowed by God. And God uses those things to mold us and to shape us. God uses those things to transform us into His image. He uses those things to prepare us for our calling, for what He has for us. And there is great power in accepting those things. James chapter 1, verse 2 says this. It says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let, pa let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. What does he say? He says, let patience have its perfect work. Man, you got to allow these trials to have their perfect work. Why? Because God has allowed these things to happen in your life, but he wants to work them together for good. He wants to work in your life through these trials. He wants to work in your life through these situations. But it requires surrender. It requires us saying, okay, God, I don't want to go through this, but you've brought this into my life. You've allowed it to happen so I'm going to surrender to you and allow this to pass. Now there's great power in accepting what God is doing in your life, in surrendering. And nothing and nowhere is this illustrated more than in the story of Joseph. Man, Joseph, at 17 years old, his brothers decided that they didn't like him because he was the family favorite. He was the daddy's boy. He was the pet. They decided that they didn't like him, so what did they do? They got him together, they threw him in a pit, and they were going to kill him. And then they decided to be gracious, and they sold him as a slave instead. Dude, some of you, I mean, no family's perfect, but that's a messed up family situation. They sold him as a slave. What happens? Joseph, at age 17, imagine that, 17 years old, gets sold as a slave. He ends up in Egypt. 
He ends up becoming a slave in, in the house of a well-known man named Potiphar. God ends up being with him. Then he gets falsely accused of rape. He gets sent to prison. And it's not like here where you get, you know, uh, uh, it was, he was going to be in there for life. Let's throw him in there, lock away the key. Because of who accused him. All of these bad things, all of these crazy situations. But what happened? God had a plan through it all. Had he not been in that prison, what wouldn't have happened was, is see, Pharaoh got upset one day with two of his servants, the butler and the baker. He sent them into the same jail, and just by coincidence, they run into Joseph. They both have dreams, and what does Joseph do? He says, man, he says, I serve a God who interprets dreams. Tell me your dreams. So the butler and the baker, they both tell Joseph their dreams. Joseph gives them the interpretation. One of them, his dream meant that, that Pharaoh was going to bring him out of prison and restore him back into to favor. So Joseph tells him, he says, hey, he says, look, I did you a favor. I told you the interpretation of your dream. I need you to do me a favor. When you get out of here, I need you to speak to Pharaoh. And I need you to tell Pharaoh that I'm innocent, I've been falsely accused, and I, you need to plead my case before Pharaoh. The Bible says that that man, he got out of prison and he forgot all about Joseph. Is Joseph who? Forgot all about Joseph. Man, it was like one thing after another kept happening to Joseph, but Joseph was right where God had called him to be. Why? Because had he gotten out of prison, he would have left and gone back to his homeland and he wouldn't have been in prison. And what happened? Pharaoh ends up having a dream one night. He ends up reaching out to the, the people. And one of the, the butlers says, hey, you know what? When I was down there um, in prison, there was this man named Joseph. And I kind of forgot about him, Mr. Pharaoh. But like, you know, he interpreted my dream. I think he can help you out too. Had Joseph gotten out two years earlier, had he left, he would have never been where God needed him to be to have the impact that God wanted him to have. Man, Joseph ends up getting out of the prison. He stands before Pharaoh. They give him a haircut. They give him a shave. They clean him all up. He stands before Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dream. God ends up promoting Joseph to being second in command of the whole nation. And Joseph comes up with this plan to allow them to survive seven years of famine that were going to come upon them. And at the end of Joseph's life, he ends up reconciling with his brothers. His brothers, it's this amazing story of reconciliation. And what does Joseph tell them? Think about this. All of these bad things that happened to Joseph, all of these unfortunate circumstances, all of these things that me and you look at and we're like, man, I don't know if I could have survived all that. I don't know if I would have still followed God through all that. We look at all these things and we say, man, they're horrible situations. God allowed all them. And what does Joseph say? What does Joseph say? How does he look at his life? How does he look at his circumstances? He says this. He says, listen, don't feel bad about what you guys did. This is him talking to his brothers. He said, understand this. He said, you meant this for evil. He said, but God meant it for good. He said, and it was not you who sent me down here to Egypt. He said, it was God who sent me. Think about that. And all of those things, Joseph was able to look and he's able to say, you know what? It was God who allowed all these things to happen because he was working out his plan. 
You know, one of my favorite parts about the story of Joseph, when he had his first kid, do you know what he named his kid? He named him a very popular name, Manasseh. How many of you guys know a Manasseh in here? I don't know any Manassehs. <laughs> he named him Manasseh. Well, you know what Manasseh means? It means God has caused me to forget all of my troubles. Can you imagine that? That's powerful. Dude, all of the things he went through, and he's able to say what? He's saying, man, the good that God has done in my life, God has caused me to forget all of the bad. All of the troubles just pale in comparison to what God has done. But how did Joseph get through all that? Man, he surrendered to what God was doing in his life. He said, God, I don't understand it. And sometimes, man, we can't get past the why. We look at things and we're like, man, God, I just don't understand why you allowed this. And we can't get past the why. So we give up, we quit, we surrender to our circumstances. We don't surrender to God. We surrender to our circumstances and we call it. And yet, man, if we would just surrender to God, we would find out the why. Man, Joseph... Joseph found out the why. He was able to look back and tell us why those things happened. Man, in the moment, we don't know why. And when we're going through it, we don't know why. But I promise you this, if you quit now, you will never know the why. You will never know why God and what God was doing. But man, if you just surrender to what God is doing in your life, Man, accept God. This is what you've called me, and I don't want to go through it, but by your grace, Lord, I'm going to surrender and trust you. Man, you will look back, and you will see the faithfulness of God, and you will know the why. You may not know every little detail, but I can promise you this. God will show you so many things about why he did what he did in your life, why he allowed what he allowed in your life. Man, God, everything that happens in our lives has been allowed by God. And if we surrender to what he is doing, he works those things together for good. I think sometimes we can look at our lives and we're like, man, God, why aren't you working? But we haven't surrendered. And how many times... Do we not surrender to what God is doing? And then we get mad at him for not working, right? It's like, well, God, you didn't do anything with this situation. Well, yeah, you didn't surrender. You didn't give him a chance to work. See, surrender, what it is, is it's me and you saying, God, I give up doing things my own way. I'm going to trust you. And what does God do? God works. Surrender opens the door for God to work. Man, without surrender, you're leaving God on the outside of your problems. You're leaving God on the outside of your situation. You're trying to do things on your own. And trust me, God can do a much better job of fixing things than me and you can. That is for sure. Man, but it comes through surrender. See, God had brought this situation on the children of Israel. He had sent them into exile. God had caused this tragedy to happen, and this was God disciplining them. It was God chastening them. 
not punishing them. It was God chastening. It was him correcting them. But this could have all been avoided. And how could it have been avoided? Listen, very simply, the children of Israel, like what we talked about, exile, it wasn't part of their plan. God disciplining them, this, God didn't want to discipline them. God wasn't up there like, man, I can't wait for them to make a mistake so I could discipline them. No, but the discipline happened. God was dealing with them on their sin. God was disciplining them. But this all could have been avoided. And how could it have been avoided? Very simply with obedience. Man, had the children of Israel listened to God, had they obeyed, and had they walked with God, had they trusted God, had they not gone after the idols, had they not gone after the foreign gods, had they not gotten caught up in all of these evil practices, had they just stuck with the Lord and obeyed, they would have never had to go through this season of discipline. But man, they did something that so many of us do, right? Where we take obedience to God's word lightly. We look at obedience as optional. It's like, well, God, I know your word says this, but, you know, like, I also know that, like, I mean, it's probably okay if I don't, like, obey that because you'll work everything out together for good. Man, obedience is everything. Not only that, the children of Israel didn't listen to the warning. Dude, God warned them so much. God warned them so much. He said, listen, I'm going to bring discipline into your life if you don't turn. So if you turn and you turn to me, I will restore you. I will work again. I will bring blessing back into your life. But they did not want to listen to the warnings that were being given them. Not only did they not want to listen to the warnings, but listen, they listened to the wrong voices, man. The children of Israel listened to the wrong voices. That's something me and you have to watch out for. See, God was giving Jeremiah messages to speak to the people. And those messages involved, hey, turn from your sin, right? Turn from your sin so God can work. Jeremiah warned the people. He said, listen, he said, God is going to bring judgment upon your city if you do not repent. And what did they do? They weren't listening well, as Jeremiah is over here warning them, he's sharing with them the truth. There was these other prophets that were right next to Jeremiah that were saying, that were saying, hey, listen, everything Jeremiah is saying is false. Don't listen to him. God's not going to judge you. God's not going to bring destruction into your life. The Babylonians are not going to come and take you captive. And you had all of these prophets that were saying, saying lies. And God called them out and he said, dude, he said, you prophets, you're encouraging people in their sin. Man, you're, they're living the life that God is not going to bless and you're over there encouraging them in it. He called out these false prophets. But see, the children of Israel were listening to everything that was being said. Why? Because it was what they wanted to hear. And we live in a day and age now where you and me, I can guarantee you, we can know that what we're doing is wrong, but we can find someone to tell us that it's right. We can find someone to tell us that what we're doing is not going to bring consequences. We can find someone to tell us that the path that we're on is God's path when we know between us and God in our heart of hearts 
that it's not. Man, they listened to the wrong voices. They didn't listen to God. And what happened? They ended up getting disciplined by the Lord. God began to deal with them for their sin. They ended up in exile. And now they're in exile. Listen, they can learn from the past But now God's message for them is very simple. He's dealing with them. It's the season where God is disciplining them. And what does he say? He encourages them to live in the present. Notice, this was God's word to the exiles. Follow along with me in verse 5. It says this. This is God's word to the exiles. He says, Build houses and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat their fruit. Take wives and beget sons and daughters Take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may be increased there and not diminished. So he's writing to these children of Israel. They're in exile in the land of Babylon. And what does he tell them? His word for them, his encouragement for them. They're being disciplined. God is dealing with them on their sin. They're about to experience 70 years of captivity And what does Jeremiah tell him? He tells him, look, don't try and live in the past, learn from the past, but live in the present. Listen, discipline is often a season. Man, sometimes we think discipline is just, man, this, you know, God, I I experienced the consequences of my sin and it's done. No, discipline is often a season. It's often a season that you go through where God is dealing with you on things. Man, the children of Israel, they were about to go through a season. This time of captivity would be 70 years. Man, can you imagine? 70 years of captivity. It was a season of discipline. It was not just a one-month or a one-week thing. Okay, God, I learned. It was a season of discipline. 70 years. When the children of Israel went into the wilderness, they spent 40 years in the wilderness was a season of discipline, right? You remember, God brought them to the promised land, and they looked, and they were like, man, God, yeah, the promised land is great. You know, everything you're saying about what you can do in my life is great, but, you know, there's giants in that land. And we're like grasshoppers. There's no way we can be victorious. Man, there's walled cities. We've never even seen walled cities like what's in there. There's no way. We're going to die if we go in there. God, you're sending us into a land to die. Thanks. <laughs> and the children of Israel, they didn't want to go into the land. They didn't want to obey God. So what did God do? He said, okay, he said, you don't want to obey me, that's fine. Go ahead and go into the wilderness for 40 years. Because of your unbelief, because you didn't want to obey me, you're going to go into the wilderness for 40 years. Man, think about that. That's a season of discipline. That's not just a man, one concept. That's a whole season of discipline. And sometimes discipline is often a season. And why does it take so long? Why does God do that? Why does he discipline us not for just one instance? Why does he often discipline us in seasons? Man, and maybe you're going through a season right now and you feel like you've been reaping the consequences of your bad decisions forever. You're like, man, I'm never going to get past reaping the consequences. And maybe you're crying out to God and you're like, God, I get it now. I understand now. I know I messed up. Why are you still causing me to go through this season of discipline, God? Why are you still dealing with me harshly, God? Man, you're crying out to the Lord. You're like, Lord, how much longer am I going to have to suffer 
for everything that I've done? How much longer am I going to have to reap the consequences of these things? Man, why does it take so long when God deals with us? It's because of this, and it's so beautiful. It's because God is focused on your future just as much as he is focused on your present. And this season of discipline that you're going through, listen, he is preparing you for what he has for you in the future. Man, discipline has a way of clearing out all of the junk between us and God. It's kind of like a cleanse, right? You take a cleanse, you know, you're, you're, you're getting cleared out. <laughs> There's things you didn't even know you had. You're getting cleared out, right? And it's the same thing with discipline. Man, when God deals with us over a long period of time, over a period of years, it's a period where God is clearing out all of the junk that gets between us and God. Man, all of the rebellion, all of the disobedience, all of the sin, God is just clearing it out. It's like a giant cleanse. Proverbs 20 verse 30 says this. This is a verse that has encouraged me so much in my times where I've screwed up and God was dealing with me. It says, blows that hurt cleanse away evil, as do stripes the inner depth of the heart. Think about that. Man, blows that hurt, they cleanse away evil. Man, when God allows us to go through seasons where it's painful and it's difficult and he's dealing with us and we're reaping the consequences of our sin, what's it doing? It's like that cleanse, man. It's clearing out all of the things that are between us and God. Why? Because God, it has a future and a hope and a plan for you and your season of exile, this is not it. Man, sometimes we can look around and we're like, man, God, is this all you have for me? No, 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 no. There is a future for you, but right now God is dealing with you. It's that clearing out all that junk. Why? So that way when that next opportunity comes to obey him, what happens? Man, you're not going to miss that. Man, when that next opportunity comes to obey God, you are not going to miss that. Now, the children of Israel, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And when that 40 years was done, and the wilderness was not a fun place. It was desert. <laughs> it was desert, and every single day they ate manna. That's it. And then the one time that they had meat, it was a bunch of birds, and they ate so much, they became so sick of it, they never ate birds again. They never ate quail again. Man, the same thing day after day. They literally were going in circles in the desert for 40 years. Listen, I guarantee you this. When, they, when their season of discipline ended, they did not miss that opportunity to go into the promised land. They were ready for it. Man, they were not going to disobey God this time. And that is why sometimes God allows those seasons where he deals with us. Why is that? Man, it's a season of discipline where God is dealing with us, but it is preparing us for that next opportunity, for that next plan that he has for us, for what he has for you in your future. So that way, when that time comes, you don't miss that. Now, when that time comes, those things that maybe would have kept you from experiencing everything that God wanted to do, those things have already been worked out, man. But how do we get through those things? Listen, how do we approach these seasons where God is dealing with us? Man, the first thing is to not give up. Man, they get there, and what does is, what is the prophet Jeremiah says? He says, build houses, man. 
build houses, plant vineyards, plant gardens. Man, get married, <laughs> have some children, have some little niños, the little orphans, right? Have some children, have some kids. Man, let them grow up, let them go get married, have some grandkids. He's encouraging them to make the best of their situation, not to give up. And man, sometimes when we go into seasons where God is dealing with us, it's so easy to give up. It's so easy to think things are never going to get better, so I'm going to give up. Listen, make the best out of where God has placed you if God is dealing with you. The second thing he encourages them to do is to increase and not diminish. Notice what it says in verse 6. He tells them, have kids, have grandbabies, get married, have kids, have grandbabies, all these things, why? So that they, that you may be increased there and not diminished. Man, God did not send them into exile to die off. God wanted them to increase during that season. And you can come out of this season that you're in, you can come out stronger or you can come out diminished. And man, that's your decision. You can come out with more character. You can come out with a deeper relationship with God. You can come out of your season where God is dealing with you. You can come out of there, like they said, having increased. Man, you're a better man, a better woman. Man, stronger in your relationship with God. Man, with more faith. Man, with more fire, with more passion, with more readiness, with more depth. Man, with more understanding. He's telling them, he's saying, don't go and die off in this season of exile. Go and get ready because at the end of this exile, I'm going to bring you back and you can come from this season of exile stronger. That's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to increase. Then we need to embrace everything, man. When we're in seasons where God is dealing with us, sometimes it involves being places that we don't want to be. Man, they were in a foreign city against their will. Think about that. They were taken against their will to the city of Babylon, a foreign city. And what does he say? Verse 7, notice, so powerful. He says this. He says, Seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. For in its peace, you will have peace. What's he saying? Listen, God is using all sorts of things to mold and to shape our lives. And sometimes, man, we may hate where God has placed us. You may be looking at your job and you're like, man, I hate my job. Like, God, why do you have me here? God, I'm ready to move on. I've been ready to move on. And we can look at sometimes our living situation. And we're like, God, why do I have to stay with this person? Or God, why do you have me in this place? Why do you have me in this house? God, I'm ready. I'm ready to move. We can look at sometimes the city where God has placed us. Man, God, why have you placed me in this area? God, why have you placed me in this part of the city? God, why have you placed me where I am? And it's so awesome because what does he tell the children of Israel to do? He tells them to take that frustration and to turn it into prayer. He says, pray for the city where you're at and seek its peace. Man, we can take all that frustration, that frustration about why you're still in that job, why you haven't been promoted, why you're feeling all these things. You could take that frustration and you can turn it into prayer. 
Why? Because God wants us to be a difference maker wherever he's placed us. And it's not a difference maker for that company. It's a difference maker for his kingdom. Man, you and me, we can have an impact on our jobs. We can have an impact on our families. Man, but it's not going to happen if we're, uh, if we're moaning and complaining and griping about our situations. Man, it's going to happen as we pray for the place where God has placed us. As we pray, like he said, pray for the city where you're at. Seek its peace. Why? Because when it has peace, you're going to have peace. Man, when it goes good, you're going to go good. And then he encourages them to not be misled by false teaching. Verse 8, For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you have caused to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. Man, the problem with the prophets, God said, was this. It said that they would give their own ideas and their own thoughts, and then they would say, thus says the Lord, to try and put a stamp on it. But yet we see that happening today. Man, false teaching, it leads to false direction. Man, when you listen to people that it's not based in the word, and that's why I, hit, I, I try and just, whatever I say to you, I want to come from this book. I don't want to say my own ideas or what I think about God or how I think God works. I just look at this and say, God, what, what do you, how do you work in this? How do you say you work? Why? Because if I can fall back on this and say, hey, it's not my word. It's God's word. It's not what I think. It's what God says. Man, that is going to help someone. Not what I think. Not my own ideas. But yet there's so many people that are teaching their own ideas and then they're saying, oh man, this is a prophecy of God for your life. Man, 2022 is just going to be the year, right? How many times have we heard that? 2021 is going to be the year. There's this one guy I follow. I love his music. I love his music with all my heart. Probably one of the most anointed gospel worship music I've ever heard. I listen to him. I love him. But I'm not even kidding you. Every other day on Instagram, he posts posts like, this week you're going to get a check for $30,000. Just feel the Lord put it on my heart. Man, something good is going to happen in the next 24 hours. Your prayers are going to... And I'm like, I'm still waiting for those to come true in my life. I love his worship. I love his music. Right? But I think sometimes we can get carried away in the hype, and some preachers get carried away in the hype, and it's just all about, man, thus saith the Lord, let's hope in 2022. Why? Because 2022 is going to be just phenomenal and amazing and epic, and all your dreams are going to come true, and then you have to say the same thing about 2023, because 2022 did not meet expectations. <laughs> right? Man. And the biggest problem is what? Is often it's what we want to hear, man. There's studies and teachers that I can go to and I can put on and it's what I need, it's what I want to hear. Man, but is it really what God wants to say to me? Is it really God's voice to me? Is it really what God's talking to me? Or is it just noise? He tells them, he says, don't be deceived by these false teachers. And then in closing, he says this. Man, he says to look to the future. 
Man, how do we fail forward again? We gotta learn from the past. And we gotta look back and see, man, that some of the things that we're experiencing, they could have been avoided. But that God is dealing with us and that we need to surrender. And then we gotta live in the present. And we gotta live in the present and not give up. And use it as an opportunity this season, as an opportunity to grow and to increase. Man, to pray for where God has placed us. To wait patiently for Him to open a door for us to get out. Man, to not get swayed by all of these false teachers and all of these false preaching. But I love it because He doesn't just tell us to learn from the past and to live in the present. He tells us to what? Look to the future. Man, that gives us so much hope. So much hope. Notice what he says in closing. Verse 10. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place, to your home. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place I will bring you to the place which I caused you to be carried away captive. Man, the future is bright with the Lord, is it not? Man, the future is bright with God, is it not? Man, the future is bright. This season that you are going through, it is not forever. This season that you are going through, it is not a never-ending season. Man, this season that you are going through, it is a season. Man, and how do we deal with these hard seasons? We live in the present, but man, we look with hope and expectation for the future. Man, it's okay to hope in the future. Man, it's okay. We shouldn't look at our situation and be like, oh man, this is just going to be the rest of my life, so I'm just going to make the best of it. No, make the best of where you're at, but man, look and pray and hope with expectation and what God wants to do in your life. Man, have some hope. Have some faith. Not blind faith. Not faith that 2022 is going to be better than 2021, which was supposed to be better than 2020, which was probably better than 2019, which might be better than 2018. No. You can come in. Man, look forward with faith and expectation in the promises and the future of God. And look forward to the future. At this time, we're going to take communion.